And now, on with the show. Hey everyone, welcome to... We're watching here! We're watching here! This is Opinionated Movie Talk with Chris and Perry. My name is Chris Williams. With me, he is the tar to my avatar. <laughs> but we're not talking RRR. Perry Seibert. <laughs> that was well done. I, you, you massaged and worked on that. I did I, not know that was coming. That was fabulous. Uh, what's funny is like in my top 10 list that I did this year, uh, one right after the other is Avatar, Tar, and RRR. And so that was all sticking together. And I could not for the life of me justify uh, or find a way to fit the ma- what women talking into our announcement. Like, If, if only there'd been a pirate movie this year that you could have thrown in <laughs> to your top 10. The next, the next Pirates of the Caribbean should just be RRR. This, you've, you've given me a joke I'm going to be able to use for the next month and a half. Which is, yeah, it's go. the Pirates' best year ever for Best Picture. There's Avatar and Tar and RRR. Fantastic. <laughs> I'm going to use this. I've, I, I will use this because I'm like free to use it. I will use this. I will give you credit too, believe me. Oh, I'll say somebody else thought of it. <laughs> <laughs> How are you doing, Perry? I'm good. I'm really good. Uh, I, 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 I had a, a grand observation about myself, but I think I'm going to save it because I think we're going to get to it during the okay. during, talking about the Oscar nominations. So how are you? What have you been up to? I'm doing well. Um, yeah, not much working. Um, staying warm. We, uh, we paid some money to have our snowblower fixed right before Christmas, and they got it fixed right in time for the big snowstorm we had a few weeks ago, only for me to take it out on our driveway, and it wasn't throwing the snow correctly. So, oh, no. Yeah, that was <laughs> not fun. But uh, you know what? Today, it was 60 degrees, and yeah, that's the snow terrible. is gone now. It- that's terrible. That's terrible for us. We sh- this should not be happening in February. It does it's not. Bo- it does not bode well for our planet. But I hate snow. No. So. <laughs> then move. This is the snow state. Come on. Uh, Come on. But if otherwise, here, you can handle this. <laughs> otherwise, we don't have, I'm, I'm we don't have crocodiles. We don't have earthquakes. Come on. We don't. You know what? The thing I don't like, the thing I hate more than anything. I don't know if you've ever seen those pictures of the beaches, <laughs> the, the remote islands where they have crabs that are about three feet tall. And uh, that is like, <laughs> that's something out of my nightmares. I will put up with winter so I don't have giant ass crabs, crabs everywhere. Uh, so fair. That's a fair trade. <laughs> So, yeah, I'm, I'm excited. Today we are going to talk about, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the Oscars. Then we're going to talk about women talking. Uh, it is Chris and Perry talking for the next hour or so. So uh, I am looking forward to this, but let's start it off by what we always do. What have you been watching, Perry? I saw an old film that I have wanted to see since I was like 17. A film that I have always circled around like, I'm going to get to it someday. I'm going to get stuff someday. And I finally did because it was leaving the Criterion Channel at the end of January. <laughs> and that is uh, Stuart Heisler's The Glass Key, the adaptation of the Dashiell Hammett novel, which I've always wanted to see because uh, Veronica Lake is one of is just a fascinating figure from that history, uh, from that period of, of acting history. Uh, and it's one of her great films. And also, it is a huge influence on Miller's Crossing. My okay. favorite Coen Brothers film and a film we've talked about ad nauseum on this podcast. Uh, and it was a kick to watch it because I didn't realize 
how much of Miller's Crossing comes from the glass key. Not that it's a remake by any means, but oh, that that dialogue in Miller's Crossing, that incredibly great arch, super hard boiling dialogue, mm-hmm. they actually speak like that in the glass key, and it's <laughs> fantastic. I never got tired of it. Um, and the plot has this great um it, it very much lifts Miller's Crossing very much lifts the the boss and the his right hand man are in love with the same woman storyline is that's a direct lift from the glass key as well for for Miller's Crossing. Uh and it's a really great tight 90 minute old school you know it's it's not a private eye film it's a gangster film kind of it's kind of a private eye film kind of a gangster film kind of a reporter film uh it it does all of that well and beautifully and in like 82 minutes nice (laughs) they don't make those anymore i i really i i I shouldn't do this and I don't really do this, but I'm very tempted to bump a movie up half a star in my letterbox ratings when it can come in at 90 minutes or less. <laughs> like I, I know Ebert said, you know, no good movie is too long. No bad movie is short enough. And I He's agree wrong. with that, but, <laughs> but, but God, every movie lately, except for the one we're talking about tonight is two hours and 15 minutes two hours and 30 minutes my son sat down to watch black panther the other night with my wife and i had to tell her i'm like you're in for a long haul honey this is like three hours long it's a it's a slog yeah it's very much a slog that i'm i'm a marvel apologist and i do not like that movie (laughs) i am not a marvel apologist and i don't like that movie (laughs) Um, I actually got really excited because I'm seeing Ant-Man 3 next week oh, and um, it is only two hours and five minutes long. So, And I'm sure in 15 minutes of that is credits. So you'll probably be out in a tight hour 50, be my guess. No, because it's a Marvel movie, so I have to sit through those credits. So. Oh, <laughs> no, you don't. But you no, really I'm... don't, Chris. You, you, you have agency. You can get up and walk <laughs> out during the credits. You really can. <laughs> I'm glad you got to see that. I'm glad you got to see it and that it lived up to your expectations. Yeah, it was a joy. It was a joy. Chris, what have you been Great. watching? Um, not a lot of movies, to be honest. Um, I w- I'm looking at my letterbox here. Uh, we are recording this on February 9th, and I have not actually watched a movie since January 31st. Um, and I will not talk to you guys all about Knock at the Cabin because you already decided if you are an M. Night Shyamalan person <laughs> or not. And guess what? Whatever way you, uh, whatever way you sway, you're, you already know your reaction to that movie. Okay, good. It is, good it, it is him. I Yeah. Um, <laughs> but the reason for that is I set a January 31st deadline for me to publish my top 10 list um, because I knew I would just end up watching, catching up on 2022 stuff well into 2023. And I just can't live like that. Um, <laughs> you know, so I, I drew the line, published my list and said, okay, now I can watch TV. And uh, so I've been watching a lot of TV over the last few weeks. And I don't know if you've, if you've heard, but there's good TV. Uh, like TV, <laughs> TV is still good. Um, particularly Peacock, the, uh, the proverbial punching bag of streaming services is Peacock. And they're doing some really interesting stuff. Um, I won't talk much about Paul T. Goldman, but if you haven't seen Paul T. Goldman, it is a uh, Nathan Fielder-like type show true crime but with a very weird kind of uncomfortable twist that i found fascinating and uh still not quite sure whether i i feel icky from having watched it or not but it, it was <laughs> fascinating 
but I'm going to talk about Poker Face. Um, have okay. You watched, have you watched Poker Face at all? I have not. I I, I am not a peacocker, so okay. no, I have not. Okay. Um, so in our last episode, we talked a little bit about Ryan Johnson's Glass Onion. This is him taking his love of mysteries to streaming. Um, this is a mystery series starring Natasha Leone. Um, she plays Charlie, who is a woman who has this great ability. When she looks at a person, she can tell whether they're lying or not. Um, just, just talking to them, she can always tell whether they're lying. And this, of course, it gets her in trouble in Vegas. Um, so the ep- entire series... She is on the run, um, kind of Incredible Hulk style. Uh, every episode finds her in a new city, wrapped up with some new people. There's always a murder. She has to solve it by the end of the show. It is a wonderful little throwback to the fact that, yes, TV shows used to wrap everything up in, <laughs> in one episode, and they don't really do that anymore. Um, so she's kind of like a uh, traveling Columbo Um I really like this show. I I forgot how comforting it can be to sit down at the end of a long day and pull on a put on a show where you know the beats and they're comfortable and effective and you just know all right at this point we're going to see the murder at this point Charlie's going to show up we're going to have everything wrapped up in 50 minutes maybe Benjamin Bratt shows up to uh kind of scare her and move her along to the next destination but this is just the show and it's very enjoyable. Um, Natasha Leone is just, she's fantastic. She's having like a nice little comeback right now between this and Russian doll on Netflix, which I haven't seen, but will add to my list because of her performance here. She's just very, she portrays a character who just loves people. And so the greatest pleasure of every episode is just watching her settle in with, um, with the new characters at wherever she's at. So she might, tag along and be a roadie for a bit with a heavy metal band where Chloe Sevigny plays a uh, aging heavy metal star or there's an episode where she's in Texas and Lil Rel Howery plays a uh, murderous barbecue chef and she spends half the episode bantering with a dog who only shuts up to listen to right-wing radio um it's so much fun you have to buy a little bit of coincidence that yes everywhere she goes someone dies (laughs) you know if if nobody caught on the fact that jessica fletcher was a serial killer exactly i don't this is fine Um, so you got to put up with that. Uh, I, I think a really clever conceit is the first tw- 15 to 20 minutes of the show. Um, uh, maybe less if it's a shorter episode, you don't even see Natasha Leone. It shows you Columbo style, kind of how everything plays out, how the murder happened, who did it. And then the whole episode is waiting for her to catch the people in a lie and put together. Oh, this is how you did it. You're going to you're going to pay for this. And it is funny. It is very well structured. The guest stars are great. Adrian Brody's in the first episode. He's fantastic. Uh, Chloe Sevigny, like I said. Um, I know Tracy, uh, no, not Tracy Morgan. Tim Meadows shows up down the road. Judith Light. Uh, this is just, it, it's, it's just a really nice bit of comfort TV with murder um, to, to flip on before the end of the day. Yeah, I, I liked it. It's a great little throwback. I'm, I'm happy to see wherever this goes. I've heard nothing but good things about it. Very enjoyable. It's a, it's a very enjoyable show. I believe it. It's so nice to not have to keep up every episode with what happened five episodes ago that are going to come back to play in one scene <laughs> here and move everything along. 
it's just it's nice to have that old structure all that's missing are the commercial breaks no i only pay five dollars for peacock so i get those (laughs) oh okay even better even better so so no there's commercials (laughs) um i will say peacock is one of the streamers that actually their commercials don't bother me as much they're they're pretty well timed and they don't come in it obtrusive moments and i'm I'm not at the point I, I like what peacock's doing but not enough to toss them 10 bucks a month so strictly a five bucks a month relationship strictly a five bucks a month. <laughs> yeah you gotta be you gotta be netflix or disney to get my 10 bucks <laughs> understandable understandable so that is tv i had a tv show you had an old movie but let's talk about some new movies uh since the time we last recorded The Academy has announced their nominees for this year's Oscars, which are being held in about a month, uh, March 12th. And so I thought we could talk a little bit about the nominees. Where do you want to start with this? What did you think overall of the general nominees? This was, I had a a great moment of self-revelation here. Sure. Just, you know, when I, when I realized what I am now for the first time that I can ever remember the four films that I thought were the best four films I'd seen for the year at the point the Oscar nominations came out were all nominated for best picture. Oh, wow. Which means I'm a middle-aged white guy. (laughs) I am, I am now your average Academy voter. (laughs) That's good or bad. I'm I'm not saying this is a bad revelation, but I realized, Oh, I am this age now. This is, this is, I, I, this is me. I am this. I am staring into the abyss and it is staring back. Um, <laughs> so I was thrilled to see uh, women talking Tar, Banshees, Vinishrin, and, and uh, uh, everything everywhere all at once, all in the best picture race. I'm like, wow, I, I don't ever remember a, a lineup that good. Um, and I like the fact that it sure seems like uh, th- three of those probably would be there for best picture even if it were only a field of five nominees mm-hmm. <laughs> i think women talking definitely probably wouldn't have made the cut for best picture if there were if there were only five nominees uh but that's a really great that's really great i, I, I was so thrilled with that uh I, there was nothing that i thought was a glaring omission there was nothing that um well there's one thing that seems pretty tired and obvious and if that person wins I will accept it as a career achievement. Uh, <laughs> I, I love Angela Bassett, but I, that's not anything special. Uh, <laughs> uh, and she very well might win that Oscar. Uh, but otherwise, I, I, I like it. It's a good year. It's yeah. Good year it's, the Oscars. Yeah, I, I look at, so my top five movies of the year were The Fableman. I mean, this is ascending order. So there were Fablemans, Women Talking, which is a spoiler for later in the episode that we liked this movie. Um, what a shocker. Fa- yeah. Fableman's Women Talking, After Yang, Banshees of Sharon, and Everything Everywhere All at Once. So four of my top five had Best Picture nominees, but elsewhere on my top 10 list, I had Avatar, The Way of Water, and Tar. So it, it's a good list. I can't argue against it. Um, I, I really just hope we're not going into a uh, Top Gun winning year. Um, I was I was shocked when uh, when our fellow critics were putting out their top 10 lists to see how many lists not just had Top Gun on there, but top of the like number one Top Gun Maverick best bit of cinema all year. And I like that. I enjoy that movie. It's fun. 
I don't get it. I I I could say lots of very un, unkind things. <laughs> so I'm not going to talk. <laughs> and I, I won't even like that was one of the first 4K Blu-rays I bought because that is a good movie that's going to play well on my 4K Blu-ray. Um, the thing I love, the thing that made me so happy is I remember walking out of everything everywhere all at once and thinking, wow, that is a great movie. Mainstream critics are going to hate that and audiences are going to ignore that. I'm so happy to be proven wrong. Exactly. That's, uh, that's why I'm so glad it's there. Yes, I agree. Yeah. Um, Banshees of Sharon. It's just that that's a movie that, God, I, I get so much joy thinking about that movie and oh, wow. talking about that movie. But, <laughs> I mean, no, I mean, I love that movie, but yeah. joy is not the word that comes to mind when it I, is when a I joy turn that film me, over in my brain. It is a joy to me that it exists, that it exists Understood. and is that good. I feel, um, that, way, I feel that way about Tar. <laughs> I, I, feel, I tar like Tar quite a, a bit too. To me. Uh, it's not a joyful movie, but it's a joy for me, yes. Um, so yeah, I thought Best Picture nominees were great. Um, I... There's three I haven't seen, so I haven't seen um, Elvis, All Quiet on the Western Front, or Triangle of Sadness yet. I will see all those by March 12th. Um, but the ones that I have seen, I like all of them to varying degrees. I like Avatar quite a bit. I like Top Gun is fine if it's a, uh, yeah, it gets a nomination. Sure, I have no problem nominating it. That's fine, but I, I don't understand the best picture. Um <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I think the thing that surprises me is if you'd asked me at the beginning of the year, I would have said, oh, I want Fablemans to uh, walk away with everything this year. And I love the Fablemans, as we've talked about. But man, out of the out of the uh, three or four that I would love to see win, Fablemans is lower on the list. Uh, it's and, and that's just because everything else is so good. Yes, I, um, I agree entirely. I will say, again, this might be spoilers for later. I kind of don't love that uh directors are five men again um six men sorry because there's two yeah daniels. daniels yeah i but i don't know who i would kick out exactly exactly i there's there's the word snub gets thrown around way too much when talking about the oscar nominations they're not snubs there's only so many spots mm-hmm. there's only so many spots and i i, I <laughs> there will always be somebody left out who deserves to be there. And the question is, does anybody on that list not deserve to be there? Yeah. No, not, not in the director race. I'm fine with all those. Yeah. I, man, I, it puts me in a bind in the supporting actor because there is the, uh, the part of me that would really love to see Kihai Kwan win because I've enjoyed watching the genuine <laughs> joy. He has so much. It makes me so happy. I was a Goonies kid. I was an Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom kid too. So it's it's nice. He would be my sentimental pick, but I I think Barry Keegan is the one I would love to see win it. See, this is hard for me because Brendan Gleeson's a lead. I, this is yes. one of those where I'm like, I have a really hard time because honestly, they should just both win Best Actor is the way this should work. Um, and I agree that Barry Keegan is unbelievably great in Banshees. Uh, that's a... I, I I would like to see the I have not seen the uh uh the uh, what's the film on at Apple with Brian Terry Hill uh, uh Causeway Causeway I need to see Causeway because he's a phenomenal actor and I like I'm willing to bet he's probably he's also probably deserving of winning this thing based on even with as good as those performances I've seen I'm willing to bet he might be even better so yeah again I'm not gonna feel bad about any of it 
which is good. Yeah, it's, they're all worthy. Yeah, it, it, it's nice. It's it, it's a nice feeling to be like I'm not. You know, this isn't the year the Revenant was nominated, and I'm sitting there dreading every win for the Revenant that night, yep. and then getting happy when they gave it to Spotlight. But uh, it, it, it's it's cool. Like I still need to see the whale. I, I'm sure this is Brendan Fraser too. walking away with this. But even then, I look I at know. the actors, and I'm like, Colin Farrell had a hell of a year last year. Like Banshees of Sharon might be my favorite performance he's ever given. But I had after Yang right after that in my uh, top 10 list and that he's really good in that has just a hell of a time in the Batman. I don't know if you've seen that. Um, yeah, I gave up on the Batman about 40 minutes. <laughs> okay. Colin Farrell's having fun in it. Um, but then I love that Paul Mescal is right there for after sun, which is a movie. I love. Which I really want to see everybody tell me how much, how good it is. And I really do want to see it. Yeah. If I look at that and I see, Oh, the weakest performance on there might be Bill Nye in living which might be Bill Nye's strongest performance. <laughs> like that's that's a hell of a Again, yeah, it's a good list. They're yeah. all it's it's all outside of Top Gun being nominated for best screenplay. It's a really good <laughs> set of nominations. Well, it it takes it's really hard to find various ways to say plane goes fast. God, no like kidding. <laughs> oh, yeah. I I just I, I can't went, talk about the movie, Chris. It just makes me mad. <laughs> I went through an entire afternoon where I had been convinced. I don't know why I thought this, but I was convinced that Tom Cruise had received a Best Actor nomination. And I think it was just because I'm like, <laughs> I wouldn't have been surprised. I'm so happy he did not. I, I was so happy to look back and see, oh, yeah, no, that didn't happen. That didn't happen. Um, yeah, even... <sighs> I'm sorry. I'm scrolling down the list here to see all the uh, things. I wanted to see the animated films one. That's right. Oh, that'll be yeah. Pinocchio, right? That'll go to Pinocchio, the but like Pinocchio. yes. But like they're all good. Like Turning Red might be You're my right, least favorite on that list, but I had a good time with that a lot. Puss in Boot, like Puss in Boots, The Last Wish should not be as good as a fifth <laughs> Shrek movie is. It is so good. Um, or have you seen Marcel the Shell? I have not. Oh Again, I've heard nothing good things. Top 10. That was on my top 10 list too. That is such a charming little movie. It, it's like charming and quietly profound. It, Yeah, I'm really looking forward to watching the Oscars this year. Um, I, I remember last year, I, I feel like I was not invested in much of it at all. Um, because there were, you know, the best picture winner was Coda. And um, just making yeah. a law, this is the last time we mentioned Coda on this podcast. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm fine with that. Like, I, I went to that law. I went to the Maple. Um, I'd like to do it again this year. Uh, go to the Maple to watch the uh, the Oscars. And I just remember how listless everyone was for half of it. Because <laughs> it was all like foregone winners. And then, of course, Will Smith slaps chris rock and <laughs> everyone in the room like kind of went um have you done the shorts programs at all i think they do a lot i have by not you. this year you i think we're gonna go do that with some neighbors this year at the detroit film theater very cool i did that a few years ago it is so much fun to get to see those movies i have done it in years past i do it some years i don't do it some years uh i, I always go and here's always my reaction there's one that's like, well, that's as lazy a nomination as a Best Picture nomination I hate. There's one that always surprises me and is delightful. Uh, there's two that are, with air quotes around this word, important. And then there's <laughs> one that is like 
so fantastically visually stylish, you're going to say, yeah, that person's going to work again real soon. <laughs> that always seems about how it breaks down to me. Uh, and, and, and yeah, it's a great time to go. I mean, I wish there, wish there was more of a market for short films. And it seems like there should be if we're in this age where everything is streaming. I don't understand why there isn't a focus on this by somebody. Somebody should go out and start be, and be showing these, making these readily available to people. <laughs> why would you not? Yeah wrap all these five together in a bundle somehow and put them on Netflix together or put them on prime together. However, um, this seems like an untapped business market. Yeah. Yeah. I I agree. And you know, it's really nice just to go out, especially with unsuspecting people who don't know how, how serious some of these can get. And they're like, Oh, there's a fun name at the movies. Oh, this, this was a 20 minutes short about a school shooting. And uh, (laughs) you saw that one. Yeah. Um, or uh, there was one I saw an animated one a few years ago that was all about frogs. But as it uh, as it continued, you realize these frogs that are having this party are in the middle of this mob compound where there's been a shootout and there's just dead <laughs> mob corpses everywhere. That's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Right before the Pixar short, they showed that one. So. That's fantastic. <laughs> I got to look that up. I want to see that. So those are the Oscars. Do you have anything else to say about the nominees? No. Again, looking forward to it. Uh, and and I, I can't say I'm excited, uh, but I'm looking forward to it. I, I, I think I don't have a real firm grasp on how the night's going to go, and that's the most exciting thing that can happen. Agreed. I may feel differently after a month. Once we have all of the awards, it'll probably be pretty clear. But for now, looking forward to it. You'll 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 be uh, feeling pretty bad when Top Gun Maverick walks away with Best Picture of the Year for Saving Cinema. Yeah, no, <laughs> no, no. Oh please, oh please, no. Well, let's talk about a movie that is just as good as Top Gun Maverick. <laughs> some some might say better. Some, I, I think I think the two of us here would, but uh, this... I don't want to put words in your mouth. <laughs> Uh, well, okay. Top Gun Maverick was not on my top 10 list and uh, Women Talking okay. was at number four. So uh, yeah, we're going to talk about Women Talking, the new film from Sarah Polly. Uh, if you have listened to this podcast for any length of time, you probably know we're pretty high on Sarah Polly here. Um, I don't think I was doing a best of list when um, Away From Her came out, but that would have been on my top 10 list that year. Um Take This Waltz was my number one movie of 2012. It was your number one of the decade when we did our best of the decade list. And I know we both really liked Stories We Tell, which was like number five or six for me the year it came out. Like, I think it's one of the five greatest documentaries ever made. (laughs) Yeah. Sarah Polly makes good movies. She Um, makes great movies. And she does not make them often enough. (laughs) And... I, you know, when you when you hit when you hit a thousand like this, you step up to the plate when you're ready. Whatever sure. you want to do, I will follow you around Fiona Apple style, waiting nine, <laughs> ten, eleven, twelve years for an album. That's fine. It's I mean, fine. Todd Field did call her up and be like, "Why don't you just slow down?" So <laughs> exactly, exactly. I do love that we have two. It is and it is incredibly telling that two probably my two favorite films. Yeah, my two favorite films of the year are both directed by by actors. This is this is so what I love about movies. <laughs> I want to watch actors act. And oh, do they know how to let actors act? Yes. Um, why don't you tell the, uh, the good listeners what Women Talking is about? Women Talking is an adaptation of a book that is a, as, as the, I don't know if the book says this, but I love this, this line. 
I, I get so I get so wrapped up with people who always want to talk about, you know, when a film is based in reality and when it's based on a true story and what that means. And that seems terribly important. Is it just like what happened in real life? And I love that the opening of this movie is this is an act of female imagination. Uh, because that's what the book was. The book took this real life case of these uh, this religious sect in Canada in, I want to say it's like the late 1910s or sorry, 2010s, uh, it's this century, uh, who were drugged with a cattle tranquilizer and assaulted sexually by the men in their, in their group. Uh, and then this came to light. And the book is this exploration of, okay, well, what is that? Like, it, it, didn't, it wasn't trying to tell you what that was. Not, it wasn't a factual account of that case. It was, well, what does that look like? What, what does it mean to forgive? What does it mean to live up to your religious ideals? What is the, what is the proper response to this? Uh, and that's exactly what the movie's trying to do. And it is about a, a group of women who get together to decide uh, one of basically, <laughs> what, are the, what is the group going to do? Are the women going to leave? Are they going to forgive? Or are they going to stay and fight? And what do all those three things mean? Not just, not just what does it mean to do that, what does it mean for them with their religion and their own sense of self to do any of those three things? Uh, and that sounds like a boring talky picture, and it is not a boring talky picture. It's talky. <laughs> it is it is unrepentantly talky, and thank you, goodness, because there's a lot to talk about. You might say it's about women talking. It is about women talking. <laughs> they told you right up top. It was lying to you. Uh uh, and it's it's exquisitely cast. It's beautifully acted. Um, it it there's there's a there's a there's a physical look in the movie. The cinematography is very monochromatic. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not black and white, but it's very silvery. Um, it's very, yeah. it feels very old timey. And then as you're watching, there are these moments when people, you know, it's all about people being true to themselves and trying to be true to each other. And what that means and what those responsibilities are. And there are moments in the movie where people, when they're in dialogue one-on-one for a long period of time, make a connection that wasn't there before. And I swear, (laughs) I haven't read that this has happened, but I swear watching it, color slowly bleeds into the frame a little bit. Like, it's not super obvious, but I'm pretty confident that that's what Sarah Polly is doing in these moments. (laughs) In the most subtle possible way, bringing a little light and color into the film uh, before it seeps back and we get back into talking about these really difficult things. Um, I, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a really great movie, Chris. <laughs> it's a really it, it great is. movie. <laughs> and, and I will say, I was looking for the color thing because I had seen you post that on Facebook and I was like, I'm going to go look for that. And I didn't notice it. That's okay. But it I'm not saying it's not there. It, um, I, gosh, I mean, like I, I talked about, we we really like Sarah Polly. Um, I don't think I could pin down if someone just showed me a movie, took all the uh, all the opening credits and stuff out and said, who made this movie? I don't think I could ever pick out this is a Sarah Polly movie like her movies are fairly different. Right. Um, (laughs) Like you think you think about take this waltz, which is very bright colors and very, you know, big emotions. Yeah. Um, And stories we tell is a documentary with a form that is like no other documentary I've seen. And this is in places. And I think very importantly, so kind of feels more like a play. It's she, she kind of pulls back on a lot of any frills when these women are talking to pay attention and listen to them talk. 
So she doesn't have a style yeah. that I could look and say, this is a Sarah Polly movie. But after four films, I don't know that I've ever seen anyone more fascinated in the way characters emotionally process. Yeah. Um, and, and the way they, they explore the changing dynamics between themselves and other people. Um, all her movies have that component, and it's always fascinating to me. Um, you mentioned the, the opening line to this, which this is a work of female imagination. I thought back to that a lot as these women are having these conversations. It's not just that, oh, this is us imagining this story. It is for the first time a celebration of them coming together, being able to voice what's happening to them because they can't talk about it to their husbands. They can't talk about it to the elders. Um, But for the first time coming together to talk to other people and understanding their value, understanding their possibilities for the first Mm -hmm. time, coming to imagine what their dignity is and reimagine their full, their religion. Um, It's really fascinating to watch the fact that for, for many of these conversations, you get the sense these women are thinking about these things for the first time in these moments, because they're in the company of other people who have experienced the same thing and they're bouncing these ideas off each other. And that makes them stronger. And it is, fascinating to watch i have heard a few of my fellow critics complain and say it's too too talky too stagey i'm like no "No." i'm like there are parts yes it is not flashy it is not you know a big sweeping meticulously edited movie except for the scenes where that does happen and we do get glimpses of of life on this farm but there are times where i just feel like sarah polly sits back and gives over to the characters and listens to them because that's what they deserve. I, I would argue it is meticulously edited. <laughs> I would, I would, I would, I would take exception with that description because dialogue scenes are edited really, really well. Um, I agree entirely. What I love, what I love best, and what struck me while watching it is and talking about it a whole lot afterwards. Sarah Polly does everything I want a director to do in all of her movies. She is so incredibly intellectual like she thinks Mm -hmm. it's important to her not just the ideas in the movie but she is thinking exactly how she wants to get what she's thinking about across to a viewer in a way that is visually interesting and that's true for all of her films and as you said she doesn't have one way to do it that's why it's that's why Mm -hmm. it's fun it's like Soderbergh that way Soderbergh will do anything to get across what he's trying to get across uh, he's not wedded to an aesthetic in any capacity. Each film has its own aesthetic. That's the point. That's a great filmmaker to me. Uh, and that's what she has done now four times in a row. And what is uh, the other thing that I found just remarkably unbelievable about this from a directorial standpoint, from an intentional standpoint, is this is a this is the type of story that would be very easy to play at an emotional tenor of 11. Mm-hmm. You could play this. These are big emotions. These are big, serious concepts and ideas. And the movie never hits you over the head with this. The movie wants you to relate to the characters, not to the ideas, right? The, the ideas are there once you start digging through the characters. It's not, it mm-hmm. doesn't have an agenda. It doesn't have a, it does not have solutions it wants to talk. It wants to consider. The other film it reminded me of, weirdly enough, and they're not quite the same movie by any means, but 
that level of, I am going to commit to talking about this incredibly difficult thing to talk about. I'm not going to shy away from any of it, but I'm going to present it in a way that will be the least um, panic inducing to an audience. That is the least hyperbolic to an audience was Gus Van Zandt's Elephant, Mm. which I think is a fabulous movie, an absolutely amazing movie about that makes you sit down and have a conversation about a school shooting. It bleeds all of the emotion out of it in the best way, in a way so that you can productively talk about it. Um, And not that this film lacks emotion by any means. You will connect with all of these characters in various ways for various reasons. Uh, But the director loves all of them (laughs) and sees all of these points of view and wants to talk about it, does not favor any of them over the other. Uh, You know, she leaves you at a place where you have to decide what that ending, that that ending is absolutely correct, but that doesn't mean it's the only possible ending. (laughs) And that's, that's great. (laughs) And I don't know how much of that to credit the book, quite honestly, who she co-wrote the screenplay with the novelist. So I don't know where to, I don't know who to, who to give that to overall, but I'm going to give it to Sarah Polly based on her other movies. And I'm going to walk back my statement about editing because I'm I'm pick I'm remembering things. It's been about a week and a half since I saw the movie, but um, I think what I was meaning to say it isn't that showy movie, right? It isn't that Terrence right. Malick, it, it overly emotional sweeping movie. It is, as you say, it, she knows how to work with the emotion in a way that doesn't feel manipulative. And I was thinking about the way sh- some people could have just lingered on the abuse the women are suffering, right? Exactly. And she. And this is where I'm walking back my editing thing because she very subtly knows when to just when a glimpse of that is going to tell the whole story, right? Just there's a a glimpse of what they woke up to, or even something that another director could turn into a giant reveal, which is the year this movie takes place. In, yes, is so like it, it's so carefully, matter of factly conveyed that it took me about five seconds to realize oh this is not what i thought at all this is not when i thought at all doesn't really make a point on it but it sits with you because oh my gosh you are thinking this is something only possible at one time and no (laughs) right um yeah no i i i think she's very good at that one thing i did notice that that I, i just found very powerful is most of the scenes of the women when we get glimpses of them you know, coming to terms with understanding the abuse that has happened to them, they are alone. When they are discussing these things and coming together stronger, they are in community and there are so many shots of these women together. Just that's where the strength comes from. That's where the imagination comes from is together. And I, I found that extremely powerful. I tried to ask myself on the ride home, who is the main character in this movie? I don't have an answer for you because Jesse Buckley's character swayed me just as much as Rooney Mara's or Claire Foy's. I will say Rooney Mara is a actor who I have a hard time liking in many movies. I don't know what it is. I don't think she's bad. She is someone who in most movies, I just feel a remove. Like I cannot, like I just can't warm up to her. This is the first time where I was like, oh my gosh, I love this character. I love her. Like, <laughs> she is so, she, I, I don't want to say she, I don't know what the right way to say it, because I don't want to say she's a joyful character, because this is not a movie where joyful things happen to them. 
but she is so full of that capacity for joy that sometimes slips through. Well, she's the one character. So we, uh, and it, it, this, this is, I've said this so many times talking about this movie with people. It is, it is uncomfortable to praise the one guy in the cast, but uh the part of the reason for that, I believe, for you that Rooney Mara connects that way and that character connects you that way is, you know, she and Ben Wishaw have this wonderful, mm-hmm. not romance. I don't know what to call it. They have this connection. They have this wonderful longing and understanding for each other that they both understand cannot be acted upon as much as they would both like to act upon it. Um, for a variety of reasons, and uh, Ben Wishaw is uh, just—he's a, a brilliant actor. He's—he's—he's our—he might be the best British actor of his generation. I have—I have nothing but admiration, and I am in awe of what Ben Wishaw can accomplish on screen. I mean, in uh, this house, we stand Paddington Bear. So <laughs> he is. He, I, I, I have been, I've been in awe of him since the first time I saw him on screen, uh, which I think was Bright Star was the first time I knew who he was. Uh, he's just, he can do anything. And he does it here too. Again, uh, dude can emote better than any dude ever. <laughs> he's, he can almost cry <laughs> like, like nobody's business. It's, it's spectacular what he can accomplish. And so minimally. And uh, I, I don't have that problem with Rooney Mara. I actually like Rooney Mara a great deal in almost everything. I think she's really talented and uh, she, she lands for me. And here, yeah, she is, um, she's the closest thing we have in the movie to being, can be described as angelic. She seems, she seems the one from the start most interested in getting to um, the moral place from which they are all from. You know, she's the one who truly wants to find the right answer for what this is. Um, she is. She seems to be the one most in a state of grace throughout the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that is, that is a tough cross to bear, if you'll allow me the pun. That is, that is hard. That is really hard to do for uh for both as a writer and as an actor that to have that to have a character be the focus of the, that's why she sort of is the main character for me i feel like they're all trying to get to her and when she is fallible when she you know when she has her when she has her moments that are flawed it's all the more sort of sad <laughs> she, um you know it's I, I i don't think you could spoil this movie even if you know the ending and so i will just say that i feel like she is the one who um, she's the one who seems most aware from the very beginning of the sacrifice they will have to make for the decision they have to make. There, have I have I have I coded that well enough so that it doesn't give the movie away? <laughs> and all of that sacrifice is played out in that relationship with Ben Wishaw, uh, just gorgeously. It's they're all of their scenes together are glorious. I, 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 I love what Sarah Polly can do with actors. She just, she just knows when to use them and how much to use them to the fact that I I know I've heard some people say they were very disappointed that Frances McDormand is hardly in this movie. And I'm like, you don't need her in the, the instant you see Frances McDormand, you know who that character is. Yes. You know exactly what her deal is They give her a few lines, but, that is a full character right there, just because she knows how to use Francis McDormand and what what the shorthand is that conveys. 
and you get to the end and you find out she's a producer on it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, oh yeah. All right, that makes so much sense. I it makes so much sense. Yes. One thing, one area where I think this movie really hit me, and it's not surprising, is the uh the spiritual conversation, the spiritual side of this yeah. movie is I, I agree. Jeffrey Overstreet is a critic who I have been following for years, and he and his letterbox said this is a movie that should be shown in every single church um and i 100 percent agree with that there is i started off my review for this on cinema nerds um talk about the apostle paul has a line in i believe it's in first timothy um where it's his instructions to the church and his instruction is i do not permit women to speak over a man to hold authority over a man there's other places where he writes women should remain silent those verses never come up in this movie but i feel like this movie is almost a refutation to all of the harm that has been done because of those verses and people wielding them um but i love that this is not a movie that is a faith bashing movie this is this is a work of theological imagination in many cases too because the characters i mean it wouldn't be in that those characters nature to imagine a world without their faith right like that is at this point not not something they can even think about but where they come to is this idea of well where do we how do we create something better or more true to what the original faith is instead of this thing that's been perverted and i loved seeing that i mean there are discussions in certain churches right now where women have been abused by their husbands and the instruction from that church, which I, I would just tell people don't attend these churches. Um, but the instruction from those churches is forgive your husband and don't speak of this again. And I'm like, that is the exact thing happening in this movie. And I love that they engage with that, that they imagine something better, that it is not just a, yeah, it's, it would be very easy to say these characters should just walk away from their faith when again that's not something that they can do <laughs> they they that is so central to who they are at that point but then engage and they have this moment of what is possible things yeah. that they couldn't get by talking to their husbands because they're not going to get the respect they deserve but coming together and recognizing their dignity and what is possible they they imagine something i i was very moved by that i'm writing something right now about how like two recent movies have kind of caused me to have some faith reflections it's going to take a little bit of the piss out of it to say the other movie is knock at the cabin but uh uh, for 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 different reasons but um but i mean this is one that got me got me thinking and is needed and Yet doesn't feel preachy. It is like you said. The only reason you're thinking these thoughts is because these characters are so well developed and so well thought out. Like it is because this is them coming to these conclusions. No one is preaching. There is there is something amazing here where when you have a lot of these movies that can feel like this is a movie I could imagine as a stage play, right? This is something that could work very easily as a stage play. And the issue in those movies a lot is they feel overwritten that the characters are just waiting in the shadows because they have these perfect lines that they are going to deliver because they've been stewing over them and thinking over them. And this is one of the few movies where I feel like you can watch this, the uh, gears turning and they are coming to these revelations and these ideas in the moment it feels like. Yeah. Um, it, that, that's so well captured. 
Yeah, there's no, it's not structured like a, you know, again, air quotes, great play. There isn't some dark secret that's going to come mm-hmm. out at the end of act, at the middle of act three, that's going to push everybody to some crisis point. They're already at the crisis point. We're after that. That's where, that's where we start. And so it's that the secret's out in the first scene of the movie. And so it's, okay, how do we deal with that? How do, how do we, I hate the word process with emotions, but I guess I want to use it here. You know, how, how, how is that? How do we filter that into this, this, um, I, 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 I hope you will not, I hope no one will be offended if I use the term uh, code of conduct, I guess is what I want to use to even take the idea of religion out of it. If this is the way I, this is the code I've decided to live my life by, how do I put, how do I put that into this code? How yeah. am I supposed to react to that? And that's what I think, uh, you know, uh, it's one of the reasons I've always loved talking to you about movies. And one of the reasons I hope you like talking to me about movies is I think we are both really drawn to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, not having the same background at all coming in for religiously, uh, you and I, but it's like, that's, that's fabulous. I love any movie that can do that. It's why the forties private eye films are attractive to me. There's a code. <laughs> how do I act in this code as difficult as it might be? How do I not break this personal code that I have? Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, that's always compelling when done well. Yeah. And that's all this is. <laughs> and I mean that in the best way. I don't mean to apply. That's all this is. I mean, that's all that this is in the most encompassing way possible. And I love, I, I, I'm just now thinking of this other than Ben Wishaw, we don't see any of the men, maybe it, like a very shadowy look, like in a doorway or something. We see them running away. Okay. Yeah. But, but it could have been away. so, it would have been so easy to highlight one of them as a threat or as some, someone hanging over all of them the whole time. Sure. And I love that that does, that's, that doesn't happen. They don't even give them the time of day to be, you know, a, to be, to yeah. be a character. Like I, yeah. We do see the boys. We do see the boys. And there is a discussion about <laughs> yes. how culpable are they? How, uh, you know, what threat do they pose? I love yeah. that there are those digressions. Um, and that maybe I didn't agree with some of the choices they made regarding the boys in the end. I don't know. Um, yeah, no, this is, this is a, a great movie. I, I love the fact that I don't love the fact I don't love anything being misplaced on my list, but uh, it is the Sarah <laughs> Polly film that did leap ahead of the Michelle Williams, Seth Rogen film. So <laughs> it did on my list as well. Yeah. yeah. But how great that they're all in our top 10 this year. Oh, such a, I, 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 th- I had no problem closing off my top 10 list on January 31st because I was like, yeah, I don't want to lose any of these. Like, like it killed that me to leave good. Glass Onion off the list, but uh, you know, and, and I still any given day you could ask, I could drop out Avatar for that one. I, you know. So here's here's what I'm going to ask that we do uh, before our we'll we'll record another episode before the Oscars happen. I'm sure. Mm-hmm. I, I would like to for our uh, as a as a short one off segment. We don't have to spend a lot of time on it. I would like for because uh, I'm curious what you will have. I would like to present our preferential ballot for best picture. If we got to vote, how would we rank these movies? Cause that's how they do it. You don't get one vote. You got to rank them all. I, I would be, I would be intrigued how your list would shake out like that. And I would, I would like to challenge myself to do that as well. I think that is a great idea. And we will definitely get in here before the Oscars because so. we got to continue that Altman series. Um, oh, shortcuts. Oh, again, not short, not short, <laughs> three hours, three hours. No, but I, I can break it up into just, shortcuts. It'll be fine. <laughs> you can. 
You can. That film is very easy to digest in doses if you care to. Yes. All right. Perry, did you have anything else to say about women talking aside from the fact that people should go see it? See it. Yes, go see it. I wish Sarah Polly had been nominated for Best Director. That would have been great. I am thrilled it's there for screenplay. I'm thrilled it's there for Best Picture. Um, it is, I, I guess the only thing I want to say is, you know, it's, it, <laughs> so, okay, two more quick things that I think are unrelated. Yeah, yeah. One is that, yes, I think I could recognize a Sarah Polly film because it would be something incredibly deeply character-based and set in Canada. I don't think anybody else would do that consistently. So I'm going to give her that <laughs> as, as, her, as the only consistency in the Sarah Polly universe, the, the SPCU. Uh, and I do love the, uh, I do love the fact that this, it, it, it is a, I love the fact that in all the conversation about this movie, and it shows how effective the movie is, it's not an issue movie. It's not, I mean, it is about all these things we talked about, but it doesn't have this, uh, it doesn't carry with it the weight that something like she said is so obviously bringing to what it's Mm -hmm. trying to do. It does not feel of its moment. It feels universal. (laughs) It feels timeless. Not just because you realize it's taking place in a time you didn't imagine it was taking place in, but it is it is so much larger than that. It's a film I adore. Oh my gosh! I obviously I've rambled enough about it. <laughs> well, it also to that point, it, it also doesn't feel like eating your vegetables or, um, you know, it, it's not a slog. Like the subject matter, I I I could understand people feeling like, oh, this is going to be a slog. This is going to be the thing I have to suffer through because it's important and it's also very warm in many places and funny it's funny there are laughs it's it it, it, you know yeah there's serious stuff because it's a movie that deals with characters dealing with serious stuff but um i don't i did not find it depressing i did not find it a slog i left the movie feeling very grateful for having seen it and um that doesn't always happen sometimes i'm grateful that uh, i'm walking out to the lobby and it's over so it's an it's an argument for if i may bring this back around it's an argument for cinema this is not this is not something you want to spend five hours in i don't Mm -hmm. want a half hour devoted to each of these characters individually it's not interesting to me the women talking cinematic them, universe. Them, <laughs> them in a group. Well, no, I'm thinking like a cable series. Like I don't want to see yeah. a streaming series. I don't want. Yeah. I don't want ten half hour episodes. Yeah, I want this story. I want this story of this community, which is what she is telling, in a way to tell a story about our, our meaning all of humanity's community. It's brilliant. It's a brilliant movie. Women talking is in theaters right now. I do not believe it is streaming anywhere as of yet. Um, I should probably look that up. Well, while I'm looking that up, uh, Perry, <laughs> where can people find you? Is it on Maplebox? Is there a Canadian streaming service? Probably something like that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I, I'm trying to think of another Mountie Vision or something like that. <laughs> Toonie Vision. <laughs> Uh, uh, you can find me on Facebook. Uh, I don't pay attention to Twitter anymore. Uh, you can hear me right here. You can hear me some Fridays on the Cathode Ray Mission podcast. Uh, uh, I think we have an episode coming up soon. I forget who it's on, but you can go back in the archive and hear us talking about all sorts of directors' careers. Uh, and uh, you can hear me here ideally every couple of weeks because this is my favorite place to talk and my favorite person to talk to hey 
Thank you. Where can we find you, Chris? Uh, you can find me. Sorry, I'm still looking. I, I, I'm going to get this answer. Uh, it says, <laughs> I, I'm seeing that you can uh, maybe stream Women Talking maybe on Netflix later this month. Maybe. Um, but rest assured that you can stream A Man Called Otto on February 21st. Uh, that's the only one I have a concrete thing. But, you know, go see this in a theater. Just, just get your ass into a theater and go see it. Um, but, yeah, you can find me at my newsletter, which is called Criticisms. It's on Substack. You can find me on Twitter at Mere Christianity. You can find me on Facebook at Mere Christianity. And you can find me reviewing new movies at Cinema Nerds with a Z. Um, and I'm very excited on Christicisms. We are also going to start a new audio thing. It is a resurrection of a show I used to do called It's My Favorite. Uh, it's going to be about a once a month thing. And um, yeah, that's just going to be us, you know, me and a couple of buddies talking about some of our favorite pop culture things. But I'm hoping to get guests on every once in a while. So Perry, I'm hoping you'll uh, jump over there once or twice. And, Anytime uh, you would we'll make like that happen. Honored to join that group. We will make sure we are back before the Oscars to talk about Robert Altman's shortcuts. And yeah, in the meantime, uh, enjoy whatever you're watching. I don't have a catchy closer. Just <laughs> go enjoy see it. women talking. Go see, women, go talking. see women talking. Even, talking. You know, I'm going to say, pay the extra money to get that center seat at AMC. <laughs> yeah, we didn't talk about that mess today. <laughs> You know, I didn't start sitting in the middle of the theater until I was in college. I sat up front, front row throughout my young childhood and high school years. I, you know what? I still sit on the aisle. I have, I have a small bladder. Like I, I gotta, I gotta get up and go. I, I always sit on the, uh, you know, about halfway up on the right hand side. That's, that's where I'm at. And you know what? I know uh film critic for the Detroit news. Adam Graham sits in that area too. So uh, good company to be in. Um, Absolutely. And you don't want to walk over people to go to the bathroom anyway. We'll see you in a few weeks. (laughs) 